everybody. Thanks for joining us on Usefulty. Uh, it's the uh, official after party. There's lots of different after parties going on right now after we do Monday morning, but this is the official one. Uh, this is the only authorized Monday morning after party right here. You're in it. And uh, welcome. So let's take some uh, let's take some calls. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Uh, how are you doing? How are you and Katie doing? Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Yeah, my, my question is, um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but what were your thoughts on the uh, the guy who came up to AOC's town hall? Because I thought that initially I was like, um, I, I was kind of like, I guess I get the frustration. But then I did some digging and I was like, this guy is so full of shit. Like, and I, I feel like an idiot for co-signing this guy. Like, he, he lo- he's like so full of shit. This is a guy who... Uh, the guy who said, oh, I'm for Tulsi, AOC is a sellout. This this guy voted for Trump twice, like, supports Tulsi, who's a full-on neocon. So I, I, I guess it, it uh, you know, go, in terms of media fails, I guess the media failing is that we, the progressive media and the independent media is so willing to give credibility to people, to anyone who pushes back against, like, any, I guess, Democrat, that... We do not do our, or I shouldn't say we, because I'm not in the progressive media, but that there's not due diligence on them, like whether the person is full of shit or not. Like, um, where, you know, because I've just noticed the Ukrainian, like, I strongly disagree with your position on, uh, yeah, okay, listen, Ukraine and got Russia. It. Got, but, it. got it. Um, yeah, I don't care. Can I just ask something quickly? Where did you find out the info about the, the person? Is the, and is this the guy who has the um, exonerate LaRouche hashtag, or is this the other one? Um, it's the guy who I think is Hispanic. Um, okay. I think he's, um, yeah, he, he's the, but in, he himself says, yeah, I voted for Trump twice. And I think stop the steal was a problem. Where do you, where do you find that? I'm not doubting you. I'm just curious. If you, if he tweeted it himself, okay. like I got one of the guys who posted the quip treated like in like July and this was 2020, by the way, it wasn't 2016. He's like, yeah, I voted for Trump twice. Got it. Okay. Thanks for doing that. Okay. Aaron, you, you respond then I'll respond. Yeah. I don't care who this guy is. I did know, or I did hear that he was from the the LaRouche movement, and um, I stay away from the the LaRouche movement with, with a ten foot pole because I think they're a cult. But I don't really care ultimately who he is, what his background is. The question is: Is the point being made that Democrats like AOC have voted for a proxy war in lockstep? with the Democratic Party and with neocons and the Republican Party. Is that a valid point or not? I think that is a valid point. And I do think that they deserve to be called on it. And so no matter what you can dig up on who these people are, that doesn't take away from the fact that they're calling out a policy that I think deserves to be criticized. And um, I thought that, you know, the look, they were angry in the way they were yelling at AOC. And personally, that's not my style of, of doing things. And um I, uh, but I, at the same time, that's what, you know, protest is ugly. And AOC said, AOC said that before too, that you have to make people uncomfortable. And so regardless of who they are personally, I'm more interested in the policy under discussion. And the question is, do I think AOC is on the right side of that policy? And I don't. And that's what matters to me. But so, I guess my question, oh, go ahead, Katie. Well, I, I have a little, a slightly different take. I think that I understand what you're saying, Aaron, that it's the message, not the messenger. I think that the messenger though makes it, I think we can look at the, like that can shed some light on the goals of what this person's doing. 
because my problem with it, I think protest is good. I think making people uncomfortable is good, but I thought it was a, I honestly thought it was a very stupid intervention um, because it didn't, you should take advantage of these moments to explain what's happening. People don't, I don't think anyone who didn't already know about the Azov battalion or the neo-Nazis in, in Ukraine know what he's talking about. Um, also, when he was demanding that she um, denounce the Democratic Party, like why, that's just such an unreasonable, stupid ask. Like, of course, she's not going to do that. What you should do is say, will you please vote to stop arming uh, Ukrainians in a way that we have no idea where the weapons are going. 70% of them aren't landing to the people. They're being stolen. I mean, that's what you say and you lay it out. I thought, so I thought it was a total waste of a, of a, an interruption. And people sometimes will confuse what I'm saying because I've made this point before, but there's an art to protest and there's an art to being disruptive. And you want to do it in a way that doesn't make you look like a bully. And there's a way to do that. And again, I'm not against being in people's faces, but you do have to also take optics into account, I think. And they could have made statements that were more educating and less, um, I don't know, like what the heck, you want AOC to just denounce the Democratic Party, what would that do? You want her to actually vote in, a, in, in the way that she should be voting. So. Look at the painting. Look at the painting that was ruined. Like, I don't want to go, but like, no, I guess people were on their side in terms of environmental activism, but no one likes the people who poured the stuff for the Van Gogh painting. I, I guess my, my rebut to Aaron is that I've, I just fundamentally disagree um, in terms of a couple things. One, I disagree with the idea that, that ideas are ideas on themselves because any group, like a Jewish rabbi saying the Jewish people need to do better on this issue, is fundamentally different than an anti-Semite who hates Jewish people saying Jews are the problem, or, or same with black people, or same with a feminist criticizing women versus a guy who hates women criticizing women. And I just think that with the with with the whole thing, I I, I just find it interesting that like to, like Tulsi is Tulsi to me is like is is a litmus test because. The idea that she's hated more by she's liked more by people than and she's endorsing actively endorsing neocons than AOC to me is a problem. And with, with regards to the Azov Battalion, to me, the big test is if you're that outraged over Nazis in Ukraine, which I'm not a fan of arming Nazis in Ukraine as a black person. But one, what are you doing? And I'm not asking you specifically, but what are people like this who are supposedly outraged about that? What are they doing about white supremacists in America? Because it's a kind of convenient thing to say, I'm outraged about Azov Battalion and this far lane lane that can all be hypothetical. But when it comes to American Nazis, I don't do anything. Like I just, I just want to. Well, they have probably wouldn't oppose an arming if someone, if if America, if the American government was voting to send money and arms to Nazis, I'm pretty sure they'd be up in arms about that. So I, I would disagree. Well, but I'm saying you even see right wingers talking about like the Azov Battalion as if they are themselves are fighting against white supremacists in this country. Yeah, okay, okay, but we're talking about left wingers, and the point is, left wing politicians are voting for billions of dollars going to a military that has a neo Nazi battalion incorporated into its armed forces, and whose members are in Zelensky's. Uh, inner circle to the point where, you know, they have to like, Zelensky had to remove from his telegram page a picture of one of his bodyguards w- wearing a Nazi symbol. And that's the issue right now. Um, and well, Russia has a neo-Nazi problem too. 
That's that's Russia has Russia has neo Nazis inside Russia like every single country. But Ukraine's the only country in the world that I can think of that has a, a, a neo Nazi battalion formally incorporated yeah. into its armed forces that have been on the front lines of a war that's been happening for eight years. I mean, these are the people that have been attacking yeah. the the ethnic Russians of the Donbass. So it's it's different. And look, look, I um you know, should I dismiss Medicare for all? Uh, because AOC has also voted for what I think is a criminal proxy war. No. So th- that's what I'm saying, that ideas should be able to stand up on their own merits, not on yeah. who is is promoting them. And um, yeah, on, I, your, on, your, on, your, on your point about Tulsi being more aligned with neocons, I don't agree. I see the squad voting in lockstep with Lindsey Graham, uh, Liz Cheney, Mike Pompeo on their most important foreign policy initiative. But Tulsi is a neocon, though. Well, Tulsi has some uh, reactionary views that I find very vile, like what she said last week about like <laughs> Democrats promoting anti-white racism. No, that was crazy. And also she def- I remember after the um, after Biden's drone strike that killed that family in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. she defended that. And so she said some things I, I totally disagree with. At the same time, though, look, I'm also not going to just dismiss her when she's the only person. See, the thing is, to me, all issues are um, are equal. And there are some issues where she's way better than pretty much everybody else. So, for example, Syria, she's the only U.S. politician I can think of who called out the regime change war there, uh, the arming of an insurgency dominated by al-Qaeda, and also called out the sanctions, which she said were akin to a, uh, to a medieval siege that was killing thousands of Syrian civilians, which is true. Does AOC talk about that or Ilhan Omar? No, they actually vote for these sanctions. So it's just like, I'm, I'm not going to apply the Tulsi standards that I don't apply to everybody else. Uh, I, I judge people on, um, I don't try to make sweeping moral judgments just on what their specific stances are on issues that are important to me. Yeah, and- I, I don't know. I, I guess I, don't, I know you have close, but I guess, I guess foreign policy I struggle with because Foreign policy is something that you can just be abstract. Like, obviously, it matters, but you can just be abstractly right. Like, Ron Paul, to me, is an anti-Semite. But him and I probably agree a lot about, like, Israel and, and its over un- unwinning influence over Palestinians. But he's an anti-Semite. So I don't give a shit about what he says about Israel. So right, I think foreign- you, should, you should agree. You can still, like, defend the points. You don't have to like him. So, I mean, I, I also think that... Uh, yeah, I guess, well, this is a longer discussion we can get into, but I think that, um, I don't know. Like, I think that we can look at issues as on issues, not based on the person who's uh, making the point. Yeah. But, yeah. but I, yeah. I get it. I get, like, and, and the last thing I want to say is even with the Ukrainian-Russian war, like, I'm not a fan necessarily of what Ukrainians are doing, but I don't understand how that mean, why that means that we people have to present, like, Vladimir Putin, who's like an oligarch and a billionaire oligarch, as this like sort of good faith actor as well. Like, why can't why is I mean why is why are people not capable of saying Zelensky isn't great, but Vladimir Putin is not some like peace dove Noam Chomsky like figure in this era as well. Like he's the one who invaded. So I I just I don't know. I I think there needs to be nobody I know nobody I no nobody I know uh, paints Vladimir Putin as a peace dove. Uh, you know, so, I mean, some people do. I mean, like there is a section of the anti-imperialist crowd that that I guess paints them that way. But I mean, the point is more 
either you think that Vladimir Putin woke up one day and decided to invade Ukraine because he's an imperialist, uh, or you think maybe there was some a series of events that happened before that that might have played a factor in that decision, and that the U.S. had a heavy role in that. And and that's my latter point is that I don't think Vladimir Putin just invaded Ukraine because he's a uh, imperialist who wants to remake the Soviet Union. I think Russia was provoked, and um, well, to me, I, and, to me, and to me, it also goes well beyond Vladimir Putin. It's like I don't like reducing states just to one person, and I, I think that's a trap also that that is very easy to fall into. But I think thanks for taking my call. I think he would have invaded regardless. But thank you for taking my call, Aaron and Katie. Well, if you look at the proposals that Russia released in December to the U.S., which were very detailed, which called for addressing. Russia's grievances, uh, which, and you look at the fact that Russia was just demanding that Ukraine pledge neutrality. I don't, I mean, look, maybe you're right. He would have been anyway. I don't think so, but I guess we'll never know. All right. Uh, Rich. Hi. Hey, how are you doing? Hi, good. You? I'm good. I would, first, I'd like to make a correction because not only are you guys the most trusted uh, voices in journalism. Your your audience should be too. I said that the United States was an OPEC member. It's not. I meant to say they were to the they were uh, to the markets. So the, anyway, I wanted to correct that. But my uh, my major issue and in, in that with like AOC and Bernie Sanders isn't their politics or what they what they claim is their politics is that they bring hope to people. It's like Obama. They bring all this hope to people. And then, then they show zero political courage. And I think that's worse than Tulsi Gabbard or, or even Trump. You know what you're getting. You know what you're getting with, uh, you know, Chuck Schumer. You know what you're getting with these people. Nothing. But these guys present, you know, such great, even Obama presented such a great, you know, uh, you know, hope and change and all this. And then you got nothing. And that's AOC and, and the squad and, and Bernie. They gave you nothing. Bernie, more than anybody to me, was because he had legitimate gripe in 2016. He could have went, could have really done something. And I think he should have, I think he should have ran as green and tried to cause a division in the Democratic Party. And, uh, but he didn't. He showed no political courage at 76 years old. What did he need to do? I mean, they, they're going to treat him like Ralph Nader anyway. You know, that was his big, I don't want to be Ralph Nader. And then you hear these people get on and talk about Tulsi Gabbard. You know what they are. If you don't know what they are, then you're not you're, you're not thinking properly. But you don't know what AOC is. You don't know what Ro Khan is, and all these people. And then you know they come in and they do absolutely. They just basically become Democrats. Yeah, I agree that there's the disappointment or expectation uh, danger aspect okay well thank you for that thanks rich anything else oh okay left all right thanks rich all right liana hi liana hey good morning thank you so much for having this um after Listening to the previous callers, um, their their discussion was a little bit more intense than uh, than what I want to talk about. I want to 
thank you both for showcasing the local uh, race in Arizona. I am running for governor in Arizona as, a, as an official write-in. And I would just ask that all your listeners, if you live in a state where you have a lot of propaganda going on, just go to your Arizona Secretary of State website, check out who the other candidates are, and if they are officially recognized by your state as running, then check them out. Um, check out their website, see who they are, see if they have done any public speaking events, what do they talk about on their social media, um, help give them some, help give candidates like myself the platform where the, the big wigs, the GOP and the DNC have completely squeezed us out. I know that you've, you have um, showcased Matthew Ho, who is, who is running for Senate in North Carolina. The Green Party is, all of Greens across the country are excited about Matthew Ho. He's a fabulous speaker. He's an out, outspoken advocate for veterans. Um, and so the Green Party does not want to make any more veterans, but we do support our veterans. We would like to see all wars ended, and we would like to see the military-industrial complex um, have less influence in our day-to-day -day life. So if you can help showcase some local greens, that would be awesome. I really appreciate it. And what are you running for? I'm running for governor. I am Katie Lake, or, or Carrie Lake's opponent. And we were set to debate on October 9th, and the League of Women Voters, uh, they were forced to cancel the debate. So, yeah, the voters here in Arizona just do, do not have a way to hear from all the candidates. There's a libertarian candidate who's running as well. Um, and I would love to hear her debate as well. Actually, there's most, most of the candidates are women, or I'm sorry, uh, identify as women uh, uh, who are running for governor in, in Arizona right now. And why do you think Katie Hobbs, is that her name? Yes. Why won't she debate? Because Carrie Lake is, is a really eloquent speaker. Right. Katie Hobbs' background is a, um, she's a social worker, so she's just not the hard-hitting debater that you would expect, you know, running for that type of a high office. Um, and it, it plays into the narrative uh, that, the, that the Democrats are the underdogs here in Arizona. It, it's just a ploy. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks for calling. And um, yeah. Good luck. I'm gonna follow you on uh, calling now. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I love listening to your shows every morning. This is how I kick off my week. So thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep fighting the, the great fight. Okay. Thanks, Anna. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, Brian. Hey, Brian. Hey, Katie. How you doing? Good. You? Excellent. Excellent. So I um, 
have to disagree with you a little bit, Katie, in terms of what the expectations for squad members are. Uh, most of them were Justice Democrats endorsed candidates. And so the idea behind Justice Democrats was that there would be a Tea Party of the left, a group of Democratic insurgents that would go as hard against the Democratic leadership as they would against the Republican leadership. And that's where AOC started out. Her first act when she got elected was to protest at Nancy Pelosi's Thanks. office. But since then, she has been co-opted by the Democratic leadership. She met with uh, Nancy Pelosi back in 2019, and Pelosi said, hey, you've got to fire your staffers. If you don't, uh, you're going nowhere in the Democratic Party. And AOC uh, capitulated. She agreed to do that. And since then, she has been a much uh, more loyal follower of the the Democratic leadership. And so I, I think we should uh, uh, go after and encourage these uh, politicians to uh, oppose the Democratic leadership more vigorously, especially on this particular issue. Uh, nobody elected them to give uh, billions of dollars in aid to the military and industrial complex and fund a proxy war with a nuclear power. I didn't see the squad campaigning on that. Yet this is one of the few things that they've actually done in office is to help bolster support uh, on the left for this uh, particular action. And I, I guess what I want to know is uh, why are the the squad members so hesitant in defending their position if they truly believe that funding Ukraine to the tune of billions of dollars is the right thing. Why won't any of them answer any questions? AOC, since this incident, has not engaged on the merits of the issue. She hasn't explained why she's funded all those packages. She hasn't explained why she hasn't called for the U.S. and Russia and Ukraine to enter into negotiations to try to get a peace deal. What is her what is her fear? Is she a fear of being attacked by the Democratic leadership for being disloyal? Is she fearful of being attacked on MSNBC? Or does she actually believe this is the right thing to do? Is she not the peace activist that she claims to be? So I I think we deserve answers. And I think it's time for us as citizens to stop being polite to these elected officials. So uh, I didn't particularly agree with the uh, support for Tulsi Gabbard. I don't uh, uh, think that she is a a peacenik, uh, even though she does have some good positions that Aaron pointed out. And I don't have any uh, support for the LaRouche movement, but right. we do need to see more individuals who are willing to stand up to not just the squad, all politicians, because every single Democrat has voted for this and almost every single Republican, only a handful have been in opposition, uh, because I don't think that that reflects the, the true sentiment of Americans. I think if you were to pull this correctly and ask, do you support continuing funding billions of dollars for a proxy war with Russia? I, I think Americans views on that question are much more mixed, especially uh, if you can separate them from the propaganda that they're hearing from the U.S. media. So my question is, why won't uh, these politicians be held accountable and explain to us why they are supporting this this proxy war? Yeah, I think that's fair, actually, expecting her. I think I stand somewhat corrected. I think it's fair to, to ask them, given that they did promise to run as kind of like you're saying, the Tea Party of uh the democrats but i guess my thing is more i would make a demand that she vote a certain way or 
defend or say, you know, why are you voting this way? As opposed to saying, will you disown the Democratic, will you condemn the Democratic Party? Because that's, if she does that's that, That's not then... all they said, though, Kayla. They were saying, you know, why are you voting to take us off to nuclear war and to fund, arm Nazis? I mean, you know, like I, look, it, I agree. Like the tone, like the, the, the protesters were very aggressive. And I can understand, especially... Shielded, which just shielded AOC, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. But, you know, it's just, look, I, see, I have a hard time criticizing protesters because I'm I'm not one. You know, I don't do that kind of stuff, you know. And so it's just, and it's awkward to get up and yell and interrupt something. It's just, it's, it's, it's just messy. So, yeah, sure, it could have been worded and, and done better. But overall, on confronting people to their faces when they're, as Brian laid out, I mean, they haven't, no, no one's explained their vote. The only, the only person who's tried was Cory Bush. Cory Bush put out some statement early on saying, yeah, I recognize this will make things worse, but I believe in Ukraine's right to defend itself. Like, that's, yeah. that's pretty much what she said. And, and or she's like, yeah, yeah, I know we're actually like, we're going to enrich the military industrial complex. And that's, that's kind of everything, everything I warned, I was like standing against before, but you know, I, it's more important to help Ukraine fight Russian aggression. Yeah. And um, so at least Cory Bush tried, but everyone else has been silent. And when you're silent on fueling, this dangerous conflict that goes against, you know, I think so many of your professed values, you're, you're going to be called on it. Yeah, I think that's true. I guess going back to the why, why does it matter if they're Trump voters or Tulsi supporters, that to me gives like a little clue potentially into what their goal is. I'm not saying that having the pressuring the squad to vote the right way is bad in itself. I'm just saying maybe their goal is more to embarrass them and empower like Tulsi, LaRouche, Trump, which would make their their protests have a different outcome than trying to actually hold their feet to the fire. Well, uh, I appreciate both of you uh, uh, having this discussion. At least you're willing to entertain these kinds of debates and difference in ideas. I'll just close with a comment in response to Corey Bush's statement, which I think illustrates why the squad isn't answering it, because they don't have a good answer. And that's, yes, Ukraine has a right to defend itself, but it doesn't have a right to American taxpayer money to be involved in this proxy war. Uh, That, to me, is a dangerous escalation. And uh, I think they know that. And I, I think that's why they're not answering, because they know that they're doing the wrong thing, but they're too they're they're too too politically calculating and want to preserve their careers instead of uh, standing up and doing the right thing. That's just my take. I know you got a lot of callers. I'll let you uh, get to them. Thanks again for Thanks. letting me be on the show. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Thanks Brian. Brian. Thank you. As always. Okay, um, Al. Hi, Al. Al. All right. Sorry, Al. Come back if you want. Let's move on to V. We we move fast in the utility. It's uh, Colin. You know, no time to waste. Hi. Go ahead, V. Hello. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so there, there's like a few. Okay. Hello. Uh, I was wondering what um what what are your opinions about uh, the UN envoy? That says that um, Russian using rape as a weapon uh, and carry out sexual assault in Ukraine. But um, I think that person is um, 
Pramila Payton of Marietta's. Yeah, so uh, this, the, so just she a, told this, the AFP that rape and sexual assault are part of the military, military strategy perpetrated as a deliberate. Yeah. So, to be humanized. Hello. Just to just to explain this, um, this was a uh, UN official who has accused Russian troops of using Viagra to commit. Uh, rape, and uh, this is apparently an allegation that was relayed to the UN. It's, um, you know, I can't help but remember the fact that this was the allegation made against Libyan forces back when the Obama administration was trying to justify uh, U.S. intervention in um, in uh, Libya, and they said that Gaddafi was giving Viagra to his troops, and I just I and that wasn't help. true, right? Wasn't that no, it, was, it, was, it was totally fake. It was it was yeah. it was shown to be fake. So I can't help but wonder if this is basically an attempt to recycle that. But look, I mean, this is why it's you know it's hard during war. It's very difficult to know what's actually going on, and so you know you never know. Is this possible? Of course it is, but we just don't know. I just think it's the the fact that it's exact same as what they try to do in Libya, which is shown to be uh, a scam, is worth keeping in mind. Also, why we should be demanding uh, because war crimes happen during war, and that's one of the reasons that we should definitely be pushing our government to push uh, diplomacy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. V, anything else? Uh, I I apologize because it's like the the last few minutes, uh, like you guys were. You guys' voice were scrambling, so I, I, I can't really exactly hear what you guys were oh. saying. Okay. Well, thanks Sorry. for the call, V. Thanks for the call. It's okay. No. Okay, Joe. Hello? Hi, Joe. Joe? And Joe, if you're there, there's a mute button. And if not, uh, we will move on like to... Like there was some sort of connection. Oh, we, it's still V. This is I'm not sure what's happening. Yeah, it's uh, we're in the uh, matrix. Okay, J- if Joe is there, so Joe, I'm going to re- remove you, and try to come back if uh, if you are if you are there. All right, let's see if this works, Daniel. Daniel, are you there? N- no. Okay, Brady. And uh, Brady, if you're there, there's a mute button. Brady knows. Brady's the force to pay out. All right. Well, so maybe there is an issue with the app. Let's just keep trying. Nick. Oh. There we go. Hi there. Hey. Okay. Uh, hi. Uh, I'm wondering, is there any update at all with Durham Probe? I guess that is all done. Um, and... Uh, what also happened with the Gray Zone crew and like Ben Norton, uh, you guys don't do podcasts together anymore, all that stuff. Why? What happened? And uh, why also does Ben Norton never want to say anything bad about the CCP? It's just that always bothers me, even though he's really funny and I, and I like, you know, his reporting and on the other stuff. I think he's like a really smart guy. I really like the group. Uh, <clears throat> 
wish you guys would get back together anyways. And I'm just wondering, what is the deal? Like Durham probe, you know, what happened with you guys? And why is Ben never saying anything about Chinese government? Okay. I got the questions. So, Durham probe so. and a Norton probe. <laughs> so, uh, listen, Ben can answer for himself on your questions to him about China and the CCP. I'm not going to answer for him. Uh, but, you know, he has a call-in show, so you can call in and ask him. And, like, yeah, he left. He doesn't anymore, left. actually. I don't think he does have it anymore. Oh, he doesn't? Oh, okay. No, well, but you know, can, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, but uh, you know, he left the gray zone earlier this year and, you know, and I think in January, February, because, you know, he was time for him to, it was time for him to move on. He wanted to move on and start his own thing. Uh, and he still does great work. And um, that's what it is. It happens. It happens in media. People work together, and then, then they split up. And so that's what happened there. Um, and uh, the question about Durham, well, there's a trial going on right now of Igor Danchenko, who was supposedly a key source for the Steele dossier. And so more revelations are coming out of that. But, yeah, it looks like the probe is, is winding down. At least that's what some reports say. And uh, Durham will do a report, and hopefully the report will be made public. Um, and it's just funny to compare how the Mueller probe occupied so much national attention. And the, you know, the question was, is, you know, will Mueller be allowed to release his report or will, you know, Trump prevent him from revealing the truth about his Russia ties? And of course the report came out, it was a complete dud. And now Durham's looking into the origins of this whole scam. And, uh, I don't know what he's found or, uh, beyond what's public, but I wonder if he'll be actually allowed to make his report public because I do think it will, if he does his job properly, it will be embarrassing for the FBI and the CIA. But so we'll see. A lot, a lot remains to be seen on that. Okay, all right. Thanks for the call. And uh, Greg is the next caller. Slava, Slava Raytheon, Greg. Slava Raytheon. I'm not sure about what. You know, I'm just wondering how often your listeners know that when you just, you're just completely wrong on your facts. And I could attribute it to, you know, innocent form of ignorance. But, um, of course, those these errors, in fact, always go towards um, Russian apology and attacking Ukraine. Like uh, last week when you said that Slava Ukraini was a fascist slogan, it in fact dates back to the 19th century and was widely used in the early 20th century in Ukraine, especially during the War of Independence in 1917, started in 1917. But, you know, you just blithely blurt out this uh, incorrect factoid and all your people listen and eat it up because, uh, yeah, it's another thing against Ukraine, calling them fascists and tying in with the Russian excuse for the invasion of denazifying Ukraine. And it's really horrible. Just wanted to point that out. But I only have two questions, actually. Well, look, what I know is that Slava Ukraine was popularized by Nazi collaborators inside of Ukraine who used that term. That was uh, the call sign of of Ukrainian fascists, like, like, the, like the followers of Stefan Bandera. 
That's just true. I don't know what part you didn't understand. It dates back to the 19th century as a as a as something about being proud of Ukraine, and it dates back to the 1917 and the. Uh, Can you hear us? Uh, unfortunately, I hear a little chirping sound, but it's I can't really hear you. You can't hear me. Can people hear me now? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, no, I mean, but that doesn't contradict what Aaron's saying. I mean, certain yes, things. Yes, it does. It totally does. It I totally mean, does. It's like saying, it's but, like saying, I, God bless America was used by slave owners. So therefore, anyone who says God bless America is a racist. That's what it's like. No, okay, it's listen, not. Listen, 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 listen. It's just a fact. It's just a fact that Slavia Ukraine, uh, it dates back to, I've never heard this before that it dates back to, like, what did you say? The 1700s? Of course you don't. Of course you never heard of it because you're just repeating some factoid you got. No, from, no, no. Yes. It, if, it, if you look at it, it was popularized in 1917. 1917. Yes, exactly. Yes, popularized. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And, but but version, started in the 19th yes, century, okay, early 20th yes. century. But the version, okay, if you listen to me, the version that has gained popularity during the Maidan. <laughs> Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Only one okay. version. Okay, Slava yes. Ukraine okay, is Greg, one version. Greg, Greg stop talking. Glory it's only to one version, dude. Okay, Greg. Glory to Ukraine. Glory to the heroes. You're familiar with that, right? That was the Maidan chant. Okay? That dates directly back to the 1930s and that it was used by the organization of Ukrainian nationalists and the Ukrainian insurgent army. And who are they? They are the Nazi collaborators led by Bender. That's just a fact. That's just it a fact. dates back to 1917 and 1860. It doesn't date back just to the 1930s. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. No, you already said it. We got it. It's a, it's a totally false logic, false Okay, sorry, Greg. I, I had to mute you because you're not listening. I'll say it one more time. The version used in the Maidan protest, what you call the, the revolution that kicked off this whole thing, that version, glory to, Ukraine, glory to Ukraine, glory to the heroes, dates directly back to the 1930s. It was popularized by followers of Bandera, the, uh, the fascists who collaborated with the Nazis. That, that's just a fact. Ask anybody who knows anything about Ukrainian fascism, and they'll tell you the exact same thing. That specific uh, rendition of that slogan, the one that's been popularized now, glory to Ukraine, glory to the heroes, that dates back to Nazis. I'm sorry, yeah, it but, it, but it's true. Slogan, it was an official slogan of Bandera's group. That's exactly right. Yes. But you, yeah. it's something that have older origins, and that doesn't mean that it doesn't then become tainted. <sighs> By more modern iterations. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's let Greg back in and he can say his piece and then we'll move on. Go ahead, Greg. Question is, anyone ever told you you look like a young Steven Seagal? And uh, also, when you testified at the UN, who paid for your hotel and ticket? Was it uh, Russia or China? Uh, nobody paid for anything because I was testifying at the UN from my apartment. Uh, I did it over a uh, webcam. Oh, that's good. I would never accept any kind of payment from oh, any kind of government. So, so great one, Greg. Nice try. That was, yeah. good, that, that, that was a good one. Yeah. You almost got me there. Yeah. Anything else? Yep. Any more facts you want to try to put out there uh, that aren't true? Left. Go ahead. He left. No? I think okay. He left with his tail between his legs. All right. Fail. <laughs> well, better, luck. <laughs> better luck next time. All right, yeah. Joe. <laughs> Can you hear me? 
Uh, yes, hi. Howdy. Uh, this is the first time I've gotten through, about the third time I've tried. Anyway, um, I, uh, I have a, a, a statement and a question. Uh, the statement's about the discussion about the, uh, the squad. Really, uh, I don't limit it to the squad. It's the entire pantheon of politicians We've, it, we'd be batting a thousand if not for Shama Sawant, a city councilor, a city councilor. Uh, in that, that's my opinion. Anyway, uh, the question I have, I, <clears throat> whenever the, uh, issue of, uh, the cost of oil and the limiting of oil comes up, uh, I don't hear anyone saying, uh, giving a nuanced position about, well, this is going to reduce the amount of oil uh, that people get and use. And so it might be a good thing for uh, the global warming issue. Uh, since both of you, I, I, put in the category of people who can keep two thoughts in their head at the same time. I wonder how you feel about that. Yeah, no, it's a fair point. Uh, and uh, it's not made uh, enough, you know, the link between um, all this, uh, you know, all, all this oil talk and, uh, and climate change. Um, I, um, you know, I, the environmental movement has not, said much about the war in Ukraine as far as I've seen. And I just, I, you know, it, it's strange to me because the military industrial complex is a huge uh, consumer of fossil fuels. And yet I just don't, you know, so I'd like to see, you know, climate change people be, be more involved in this, but I, I don't see that happening. So that's who I would take my cues from if they were involved, but I just haven't seen it. Okay. Uh, I just want to make, uh, I, I'll just throw my little uh, global warming bomb in there. Everyone, please stop driving. Don't fly. No more babies. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a harsh position that. Uh, well, that, we got, uh, we got 8 billion in counting. Yeah. We're okay. Living, we're living through. I, I uh, hear you. I, I totally hear you. Yeah. Joe, thank you for the call. Thank you. Uh, I, okay. I don't feel like I, I'm personally not going to get into the business of, of, of discouraging procreation, <laughs> but, uh, but I hear you. Thanks for, thanks for sharing. Okay. Rudy. Hey, what's up, Katie? What's up, Aaron? Hi. How you guys doing? Uh, we're well. Well, personally, I wanted to get to you guys to ask you guys if you guys could figure out what's the connection between big uh, Viagra and <laughs> American Empire, you know, because I keep hearing Viagra, Viagra, Viagra in these, you know, mission of ours. I'm just trying to figure out what's with big Viagra and, and Uncle Sam. That's a, I've never considered that question before. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a new one for me. That's a new one. <laughs> well, if you guys can uh, figure it out for us, um, I'd appreciate it because okay. I, either they're with the uh, dictators or they're with the CIA because yes. you know, if yes. the U.S. is right, then
then they're working with the Libyans and the Russians. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Right. That's a good point. Which which side is Big Viagra on? That's a great I'm, question. That's what I'm trying to. Yeah, fair enough. Very <laughs> big Viagra. Yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you, Rudy. Thanks for the call. Peace. Peace. Okay, Brady. What's up, my dude? Sorry, I was having some technical difficulties. I'm all good now. I just wanted to propose the idea of the Halper Award, and that's when you get fired for doing good journalism, and you can make that part of your new awesome comedy show with Rania. That'd be sweet. I won five, I think, uh, Halper Awards this week just with uh, random people on calling. Greg is one of them. Greg has me blocked, so uh, I consider it a badge of honor. And uh, you should too, Katie. And as far as, uh, yeah, as far as the squad goes, I'm completely uninterested, almost completely in the Democratic Party. You know what? I'm uninterested in voting. You know, voting is something we can only do once or twice every other year or so. You know what I'm saying? There are actions we can take every single day, multiple times with our thoughts, our actions, our, our words, our voices, you know. And we should be talking about those things, the things we can do completely outside of government control so that we kind of establish our own kind of quasi-anarchy that is just kind of this um, symbiotic uh, community barbecue kind of situation, you know, like a community party barbecue that just never ends. It's kind of the long-term goal, I think. And then, uh, you know, some technical, logical projects like exploring the moon and whatnot, but uh, just one out of the box suggestion, a little silver lining for the, all the doom and gloom that we're all facing right now. You know, instead of protesting in the streets, let's do parties in the streets, like in, informational parties, informative educational parties. I like that idea. Well, I like the idea of your new show. We are all super looking forward to it already. So keep up the good work. Thank you. What's the new show? Oh, uh, the View. Oh, right. Yes, the the uh, the like lefty version of the View. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Stand by. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, Loki. <clears throat> hey, Aaron. Uh, hey, Katie. How you guys doing? Hey, how's it going? It's going all right. Um, I just had a thought when. Aaron mentioned the the what do you call it, the environmental movement not uh, giving any pushback on Ukraine, and I, I feel that's probably the results. You know, this is just this is just my opinion, of course, but um, it's the result of of like recent of, of recent events where the you know because of the like you, the undeniability of climate change facts. Like a lot of mainstream institutions have been jumping aboard, uh, you know, into this, you know, to the correct narrative that we're, we're screwing ourselves, basically. But what's also happened with that is the people that have actually the institutions and politicians and corporations that have been screwing us over and bringing us to that brink. Now they're kind of trying to show up at the front, you know, like a, like AOC did 
with um what's uh, Mr. Mr. Smalls, I forgot his uh, first name, but the union Chris. leader just Chris. jumping in and part of it. It's like, oh, you know, we're doing great. Like, no, get the fuck out of here. You know, idiot, you're not, you weren't a part of this. So that's what these corporations are doing with their greenwashing. They're trying to pretend like they're the face of something that's going to help the planet when they're the ones that have been, you know, doing the fucked up shit in the first place. And so given that, there's actual, you know, people, I'm sure there's people that that are in the environmental movement will say, hey, you know, fuck it. We got funding. We got pull. We got power. We we can get some some wheels greased and get something going. But once you're in bed with them, then you can't speak on things like Ukraine. You can't speak on, you know, things that that go that go against the mainstream narrative since the mainstream's kind of starting to scratch your back now so it's kind of a i guess you could say blessing and a curse but i would say mostly curse you know that's my take on that well yeah i'm wondering what your take is too aaron and uh, katie yeah you know i i just don't know enough about the environmental organizations it's you know I, I um to say that I, I think that's an interesting point you raise. I just don't want to speculate about what their motives are. Um, the last thing I saw that kind of called them into question. Did you see Michael Moore's movie Planet of the Humans? Uh, I I didn't manage. I've watched almost every single Michael Moore documentary except yeah. particular one. It was just there's just. I don't know. It seemed like a dumpster fire of talking points. Is it worth watching? Yeah, I think so. I mean, now it was it was critiqued by people in the environmental movement who said that it got some basic stuff wrong, and I didn't I didn't dig deep into to try to adjudicate who was right or not. But I just thought it raised some interesting points about you know um, some of the blind spots, maybe, or some of the potential blind spots. Oh, of the environmental like, movement. Uh, gotcha. You're talking about like boutique activists and, you know, the kind of the in the philanthropy industry type stuff, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 But uh all right. Well lucky, thank you for the call. Yeah, thanks for your time. Okay. Curl. Hey guys, how you doing? Good morning. Um, I had a, a couple of things uh, real quick with the Carrie. Was there, what's her name? Carrie Lake, the Arizona lady yeah. from earlier. It's yeah. very, it's a very good point that Aaron brings up with the uh, the kind of the RussiaGate thing. But what never gets brought up, and I'm always curious why you guys think that is, is the Hunter Biden laptop story because you have, you know, legacy media admitting that it was real they suppressed it through big tech and it never gets brought up by the republicans are they just that stupid or yes the answer is yes, <laughs> the answer is yes. They're, <laughs> okay they're and just... the other thing i wanted to ask about yeah. very quickly is uh it sounded like camille foster i don't know who it was earlier on the show but they just kind of threw out that Ron Paul is a known anti-semite and i was like oh is there is, do i just not know is there some clip is there some policy issue that he's promoted that was... well the the deal with ron paul is he used to have this newsletter right uh mm-hmm. and that it was like popular in the 70s and 80s and apparently the guy who ran his newsletter was like a kkk guy or something or or put out some racist shit in it um and so that's what i 
that's definitely conf- and 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 then Ron Paul says I didn't know that that was happening, but there are people who doubt that. In terms of him being an anti-Semite, I haven't I haven't heard that one. Um, so I don't know. You know, I mean, certainly there is that aspect of like the, you know, there's people like Pat Buchanan, who, um, you know, who people of that variety, or like or, or like most famously David Duke. Who will like say something maybe critical of Israel, but that's it's because they're an anti-Semite, you know. So I don't know if you can put Ron Paul in that category, but I, I do know that with Ron Paul, there definitely was an incident with his newsletter, which you can look up if you want to learn okay. more about. It. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just thought it was completely. I mean, it, it sounded like um, one of the previous callers asking you if you got your hotel paid by China or Russia. I was just like, whoa, this just seems to be coming out of nowhere because I'd never heard anything about that. Well, the I think mostly it's because I was introduced to his ideas through uh, some some very, very religious Jewish people. So I was like, really? Why are they? Hmm. Yeah, so I, I was just kind of shocked by that. And was that Camille Foster that was on the show earlier? Was that Camille Foster that was on this show? Yeah, like it sounded just like his voice who was saying um, he was uh, early on in the call-in. He wasn't named Camille. Oh, okay. I don't even know who, I don't even know who, who Camille Foster is. Uh, oh, what's his, uh, from, uh, or maybe I'm getting his name wrong, from uh, the fifth column? Oh, well, I don't know. There was, I don't, I, you libertarian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's who I thought it was. It's that's who it sounded like to me. That's why I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Oh no, 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 no. I know who you're talking about. No, no, no. That was not him. Okay, uh, okay. No, 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 well, thank no. you. You answered both my questions excellently. I'm gonna have to look up that Ron Paul thing and see what's going on there. And by the way, I'm pretty sure it's it's Camelli Foster, not yeah. not Camille. Yeah. yeah. Oh, am I am I mispronouncing the name? I'm sorry. I've so, only yeah. I've only read it uh, mostly. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I've listened to that podcast once or twice, but right. Anyway, happy to clear it up. That was not him uh, uh, harassing us on. on public, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Have a good morning, call. guys. Bye. You too. Okay, Daniel, and we are nearing the end of the show. So, oh, we lost Daniel. Um. Nick, you've already called in, I believe, so we'll go to Amanda. Good morning. Morning. Um, I just wanted to call your attention to um, Code Pink is doing a calling capital calling party on the Taiwan Policy Act um, okay. tomorrow night. So I just thought you might be interested in... Um, Attending, it's by Zoom. It's with um, Judge Julie Tang, who's a retired San Francisco Superior Court judge and co-founder of Pivot to Peace. Okay. And Mr. Wang Wulan, a member of the Standing Committee of the Central Committee of the Taiwan Labor Party, Director General of the Taiwan Labor Human Rights Association, and Executive Secretary of Cross Strait Peace Development Forum. That's a long sentence. So I, I just wanted to draw your attention to it because you, you're my, you guys are my foreign foreign policy people that I come to. So I want to make sure you knew it was happening. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Peace. Um, Let's peace. have right. more of it. Amen. Okay, Eric. Good morning. 
morning. Uh, so um, I talked to you, Aaron, last night, so maybe I'll, I just want to focus a little on Katie. But first, I wanted to second what the previous caller said, which is that um, anything Code Pink is doing is, uh, is you know, we need more of. Um, so in any case, uh, Katie, you know, I was wondering if you were going to go back on, well, I guess it's not back on because it's a new show now, but if you were planning on going on the Adam Friedland show. Uh, he hasn't reached out to me, but sure. I think if you reached out to him, it would be a lot of fun to talk about with, Ad, um, with Adam Friedland about your, uh, experience getting canceled over Israel. I don't know if you ever saw the clip of him, but he went on a, I think it's called ITV. So I guess yeah. you would call that. Yeah. You've seen that? Yeah. 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 And then of course, cause you had previously hosted, um, guest hosted come, along with, uh, um, Oh, come I forgot to, the other two. Villa yeah, come, Claire, come down, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought that was a really funny episode. You know, it's just, I like, a, I don't know if you have any thoughts about that show, but just w about what makes it so funny to listen to. But I think it has heart, and I think it's all, it's all very experimental. So in any case, I really just wanted to, you know, that was the one thing I wanted to mention. Um, so thank you so much. Thanks. It's a good idea. And you reach out to him. Okay, I will. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Okay. Okay, Daniel. Uh, Eric. Eric, unmute yourself. Eric is the current caller, so let's go to uh, oh. Jennifer. Oh, Jennifer. Oh, Jennifer. Jennifer, unmute yourself. You're in the call. And Jennifer, if you're there, there's a mute button on the bottom left of your screen. That's where it should be. But if not, we'll go on to Scooby and then uh, and then wrap it up. Hey, guys. Um, I'm just calling in because I recently read an article by Matt Taibbi. He was really just hammering down those climate protesters and... Um, I was wondering what you guys thought about that and the fact that so many people are upset over some stupid painting that wasn't even really harmed at all because it was behind glass and nobody's paying attention to the fact that there's so much climate disaster happening before our eyes that we can't even pay attention because it's just so overwhelming. And, you know, what the purpose of this kind of activism is. Oh, you know, I didn't know it, that it was behind glass. That's uh, that's good news. Um, so the so the Van Gogh painting, so the Van Gogh painting was it was behind glass, so it's it's not damaged. No, it's not. Okay, I didn't know that. Wow. It's well, that no. changes. Yeah, that changes things for me at yep. least. Um, yeah. Look, when I saw it, I didn't know it was behind glass, so I thought that was pretty terrible to deface artwork like that. I don't know. My mom's an artist, so I think that might make me more sensitive <laughs> to don't protecting go art, people. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so yeah. But honestly, that's all I can tell you about my thoughts. I haven't really paid much attention to it. But, um, and I hear you, you know, people feel helpless and they want to get the message out. And so this is a way to get everyone's attention. You know, I, uh, yeah, look, if the painting wasn't harmed, then I guess I see no problem. What I don't like are the actions where it's like, where the people who are 
ultimately inconvenienced are working people. Like when people stop traffic during rush hour, right? And it's like it's working class people trying to get to their jobs, or when people smash stuff in supermarkets, and then it's like working class maintenance workers will have, will have to clean it up. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that makes me uncomfortable. But look, it's you know, I get it. I understand that for someone who is a dedicated environmental activist, that they feel as if the world is being blind deliberately to a crisis and they want to just do something drastic. So it's, you know, it's tough. These are the tough, these are the complicated things about living in this world, you know, is people's priorities are, are just sometimes directly clash and you have to, you have to navigate that. What do you think? Me or, or our caller? Uh, I was asking the caller, but the caller also wanted to hear your, opinion too. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's funny. I didn't even realize it was behind glass. That's really funny. This is like, makes it a meta story because now there's so much reporting on how terrible it was. I mean, yeah. I think that even if it had been on painting, it would have been unfortunate, but it brings attention to it. But then again, it is true. You got to figure out what your ask is and what you want. You don't want to, I mean, protest, it's always a dance because you want to draw attention to stuff. You have to alienate some people, but you don't want to alienate most people. So I don't know. But then also there's the radical flank element where when th- there are people who are more radical who do stuff like this, then it normalizes in a good way and legitimizes people who are less radical. Yeah. So lots to think about. I don't know. For me, I just think that, like, what what will a matter really, I mean, what will a painting really do to humanity when 40 years, 50 years down the line, everything's extinct? You know, like, what good is this painting? But that's just kind of dystopian thinking. Well, it's also realistic, I guess. Hope not. Hope not. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you. 40 years? What was the thing? I think by 2030, like, millions will be in poverty. And then by 2050, it'll just be catastrophic if we don't take action now, which is why... I think now is such an important moment and these people that are doing unconventional methods of protest, while it might be like harmful, especially to people who really value art, um, it's something, you know, like we just need to keep raising awareness. Right. Thank you for the call. Sure. And our last caller is Daniel. I'm so sorry. I kept having issues. Okay. Uh, hey, I just had a question uh, or and a couple things to talk about. Katie, I was wondering where you got that number, uh, the seventy percent of arms going I got that to Nazi. From the CBS documentary. Yeah. Well, they they retracted that. Well, did they retract it for any? I mean, they haven't released an updated version or anything, so I don't know what the Yeah, look, is. here's what happened. Here's what happened. They interviewed somebody from Actually, Amnesty. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. They interviewed somebody from Amnesty International who said, according to our estimates, just 30% of the weapons are making it to the front lines. And then uh, CBS got a lot of heat for airing that, and they took it down. But as Katie says, they haven't issued a um, I don't think they've done any further investigation and they've like come up with anything substantive to correct. I just think they caved to a lot of pressure 
from people angry that they were airing that perspective and, you know, calling into question the claims being made about uh, where U.S. weapons are going. Yeah, it, actually, it, it is genuinely the reason they retracted it is because the single source that they quoted for that number came and said that that's a misrepresentation of what I said. So that sounds like a media fail to me. I don't recall her saying it was the it was the lady from MC International. I don't recall her saying that. If you if you have a link to that, you can put it in the chat. But I don't I don't. That's not how I remember it. This was like yeah. a month or so ago. But yeah. So if, I mean, you, can prove, if you can prove that, then th th then I'll happily correct myself. But I mean uh, that it is true. And then I mean uh, beyond that, if we're talking about seventy percent of weapons not getting where they're supposed to. Uh, Azov Battalion, by the best estimates, is no more than 10,000 people. How could 70,000 or 70 percent of these weapons go to 10,000 people? And what are they doing? They're just like running around with, uh, by the way, they were decimated in Mariupol, right? Like what what does that actually well, mean? What, like if you talk about Occam's razor, it's like what, the most likely think, explanation. Would what do you be, think that means? I think it means that that is clearly not the case. It is clear. So, you don't understand where they could go this isn't yeah. common they get stolen both there and before reaching there yeah. you, gotta, you have to source that instead of just say it and think that it's true like that's not how journalism works the claim on cbs was that 30 percent of weapons are reaching their intended destination that was the claim and that's it's already been retracted it well it, again and again it was, it, it, was, it was retracted no, hold on a second Hold on a second. Disputed the that. The, the, no, hold on a second. The entire documentary was taken offline uh, by CBS because they got attacked viciously by people who are pro proxy war. Uh, that from that happened. That being a part of it is not is does not then invalidate that the single source that they quoted came back and said you misrepresented what I said. Okay, you'll have to provide a link to that because I don't recall Absolutely. that. That 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 was something I from can, But we don't want to be spreading misinformation, right? Like. Are I think you we accusing? Are you so so? Are you accusing us of spreading misinformation? I mean, I am. If you can't actually source what you're saying, and then actually, there's there's real. And what did we say? That. What have we said? We've we've talked before. Seventy percent of weapons don't get to their intended destination. There is no source for that. The source for that. The single the source. For, okay. All right. Okay. Said okay. that that was all misrepresented. Right. Okay. The source for that. I'll say it one more time. The source for that was somebody from Embassy International. You keep saying this, but I've already told you that that's that the person that they've made the claim. Yes, you've made the you, yeah, yes, Daniel. Okay, listen, we're going to start. You've made the claim. The person who said that has retracted it. What I didn't like make the claim. That's just what happened. Okay, so what I'd like you to do. So what I'd like you to do. What I'd like you to do. And then we're gonna. Then I've sent you all kinds of sources that I know you haven't looked at, so I don't know. Like I'm okay. trying to get some. What kind I'd like of you to do, Daniel. What I'd like you to do is is send me the source for the amnesty person retracting that claim. Okay, please do that. Okay. I can, can absolutely. We grant that. Thank you. Yes, and then Wonderful. beyond that, uh, why aren't why aren't you worried about uh, Wagner PMCs being funded and armed by Russia, and they are a white power neo Nazi group? Uh, Prigozhin is bringing in prisoners. He's already now admitted that he's obviously the guy behind it, uh, and they are the ones who are actually carrying out the thing that you're worried about. There's Wagner all over the world who are just destroying local populations. Where else is Azov Battalion uh, operating besides Ukraine? Uh, you're right that Wagner is a mercenary organization. 
I don't, the idea that they're a white power organization, I don't see any evidence for that's, that then, at then all. Then it's willful ignorance. Okay. Well, okay. 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 Cared, okay. Okay, Daniel. It what is. I know, what, okay, what I know is this. As off Italian, you're, there's you're, no, I'm okay, listen, you, 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 oh, oh, you're telling me, wow. Thank you so much for telling me. Uh, listen, I'm sorry, I, I had to mute you because you're interrupting too much. And, and then we're going to go. It's, there's just no doubt that Azov Battalion is a neo-Nazi organization. It's in their symbol. It's in their founders. Uh, and, it's a, and that's why Congress, four years ago, took the extraordinary step of banning assistance to the Azov Battalion, which was not a politically easy thing to do because that was at a time when the U.S. was arming Ukraine in the war in the Donbass. But the presence of Nazis inside Azov was such a problem that they had no choice, and it was so impossible to hide that even Congress had to act. And that's why Congress banned assistance to the Azov Battalion. Training, arming, any kind of support. And I'm concerned with wh- what U.S. tax dollars do because that's the government that I pay taxes to. I don't pay taxes to the Russian government. I've never been to Russia. I don't live under Russia. I'm concerned with what my government does. And right now, it's just a fact that the U.S. government has been arming neo-Nazis inside Ukraine. That, that's just a fact. And uh, if you want to deflect and claim that Russia has an equally uh, big problem with, with neo-Nazis, you can try to make your case. I think that's really, really, I, I don't see any evidence for that at all. But uh, go ahead and try to make it. All right. And we're going to wrap it there on that note about uh, Nazis. <laughs> that's just unfortunately where we have to leave it. So uh, use flightiots.substack.com to get bonus content and uh katie uh anything coming up on the katie helper show this week uh let's see i got um oh yeah uh uh nora ericott and miko pellet it's gonna be great nora ericott the brilliant palestinian human rights lawyer and miko pellet who is a great um activist the son of a an israeli general who really changed his politics as did his father uh so that's gonna be a great great one also, check right. my, uh, yeah, on Patreon, I, I did, this is a little great zone, little ref I had on Kit Clarenberg. So uh, he talked about how British spies um, plotted a uh, an explosion of Kirch Bridge, the Kirch Bridge. So check that out, patreon.com, the Katie Helper Show. Very cool. Oh, and very, I'm very at cool. com slash the Katie Helper And of course, subscribe to you.com slash useful idiots. And to usefulidiots.substack.com. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. See you next week.